welcome to the Valentine's Day episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. Yes, on Sunday, it's that romantic time of the year when we give lovely cards and flowers and drawings and chocolates to our loved ones. And maybe you'll get some too. To get us started, here is a question from Maya and Faye. It's about Valentine's Day and flowers. Hi, Faye and Maya. Hello, my name is Maya and I am almost eight. Hello, my name is Faye and I and I'm five, uh, five years old. I like exploring things. I like reading. Our question is, why do we give flowers in Valentine's Day? Thanks, Faye and Maya, for your lovely question. It's a great one. I love getting flowers on any day of the year, but it's extra fun on Valentine's Day. But why do we give flowers on that day? Well, people have probably been giving flowers to people they love, I can imagine, even back when we lived in caves. Probably one person would give another a beautiful flower to say, I like you very much. Because why not? Flowers mostly smell beautiful and look really lovely, so they're a great way to tell someone you like them by giving them a flower. The first person to send bunches of flowers called bouquets to people to pass on a special message was Charles II of Sweden, who lived in the 18th century. He came up with a special way of sending messages by giving every flower its own meaning, which meant he could have conversations by sending bouquets of flowers. He got this idea on a trip to Persia, where the language of flowers was already popular. So, if you gave someone a purple hyacinth, it meant you were sorry. And if you sent them a red rose, it meant you loved them deeply. The ancient Greeks also thought red roses represented love and beauty. Their goddess of love, called Aphrodite, had a flower of her own, the red rose. In Roman mythology, Aphrodite was called Venus, and the red rose has been associated with Venus too. Red roses have been a flower that shows love for a long time. But now some people don't like red roses that much, so people send all kinds of flowers to one another on Valentine's Day. Although red roses are probably still the most popular flower to send on the day because of their long association with love and beauty. But all flowers are beautiful, I think, so send whatever you like. Sending flowers for Valentine's Day is really popular in the UK, parts of Europe and America, but it's not what always happens everywhere in the world. In Denmark, people send funny poems to the ones they love. (laughs) And if the person who gets the letter works out who sent it, they then send them an Easter egg. In Japan, it's the girls who buy chocolates and sweets for boys they like, as well as ones they work with. In the Philippines, it's a really popular day to get married. Sometimes lots of people get married all together in one go. In 2019, there was a mass wedding in the Philippines where 500 couples got married all at the same time. In Wales, people used to give wooden spoons to one another, and some still do. And in Estonia, Valentine's Day is Friends Day, where people celebrate with their friends. That sounds like fun to me. I hope that answers your question, Faye and Maya, and thank you for sending it in. Now, another thing we also send on Valentine's Day is cards. But who was the first person to do that? He was a Frenchman called Charles 
Duke of Orléans, who was put into prison in the Tower of London in England for 25 years after a big battle in 1415. When he was there, he wrote lots and lots of love poems to his wife, which were called the first Valentines, or Valentin, because he was French. Later on, books of poems were made to help people show their feelings, as well as guidebooks were published on how to write good Valentines, or poems saying you love someone. After that, Valentine's cards came along, and now over a billion are sent each year. So, I hope you've got yours ready for someone you love. I'm going to send them to my sons because I love them, and if he's lucky, my husband. And my little boy has made trees with hearts all over them for his grandma and great-grandma, and we're sending some to a few of our friends too. I hope I get some flowers. I hope that answers your question, girls, and thanks for sending it in. Our next question is also about flowers, about special ones. It comes from Ethan. Over to Ethan. Hi Molly, my name is Ethan. I'm seven years old and I live in County Kerry and I like swimming. And my question is, why are some flowers prickly? Bye! Thanks so much, Ethan, for your great question. To answer it for you, I have someone who knows a lot about flowers of all kinds. She's a florist who also writes about flowers and other lovely things. She's called Willow Crossley. Over to Willow. Ethan, hello. I hope you're very well. My name is Willow Crossley and I am a florist and a writer and I live in England. Thank you so much for your question asking me why some flowers are prickly. The answer to this, Ethan, is that they are prickly to protect themselves from any naughty little creatures that might want to eat them. And the spikes, the insects or little animals will see these spikes and think, oh, goodness me, I don't want to go anywhere near them. So the spikes are their form of self-protection. I hope that answers your question. And do come back and ask me anything else you'd like. Have a lovely day. Thanks so much for your amazing answer, Willow. Isn't that clever that plants grow prickles so that animals don't eat them? Can you think of a prickly plant? Well, roses have thorns. That stops animals eating them. And we talked about why holly is spiky in an episode last Christmas, so you can always scroll back to find out why holly is spiky. It's for the same reason, so that animals don't eat them. And the higher up the holly tree you go, the less spiky the holly leaves are because the less likely they are to be eaten. Ingenious. Just think about blackberry bushes and how careful you have to be when you're picking blackberries not to get spiked. That's the plant's clever way of stopping some creatures gobbling up all the blackberries. But of course, blackberries do need to be eaten too so that blackberry seeds can be spread around in animal poop and more blackberry bushes will grow. This blackberry spike stops big animals like deer and rabbits eating them, but birds can still get to the fruit and then spread the seeds far and wide. It could also be that blackberry bushes are really spiky because humans wanted them to be. Humans carefully grew extra spiky blackberry bushes because for a long time, these bushes were used as fences. People grew blackberry bushes around fields to stop other people going into them. Today, sometimes barbed wire is used for the same reason, but it wasn't invented until 1867. So blackberry bushes did the job of barbed wire very nicely until then. I hope that answers your question, Ethan, and thank you for sending it in. Now it's time to find out who won last week's competition. 
We answered a great question from Arlo, who is four, about elephants, which was, why do elephants have trunks? Then I asked you to send in your impressions of an elephant trumpeting to win a toucan box. And here are your impressions. Hi, Molly. My name is Amelia and I'm eight. I live in London and I like to play Lego and play games with my family. And this is my elephant sound. I'm Catherine and I'm age five. This is our elephant impression. Hi, I'm Elodie and I'm six and this is my impression of an elephant. Hello, I'm Samuel. Hi, Moni, I'm Alex. I'm four. This is my impression of an elephant. Well, I think you'll agree they're all rather lovely. It was hard to pick a winner. So we picked one out of a hat and the winner is... Emily and Catherine for their excellent elephant teamwork. Congratulations! We'll post you a toucan box full of fun things to make at home. I hope you'll love it and have lots of fun making things. I wonder what treasures will be in your toucan box. You can pick any two treasures you like. If you'd like to try out a toucan box, you can buy one for half price from their website, toucanbox.com, using the code SUN for 50% off. You'll have to sign up for a subscription, but you can cancel at any time. Not that you'll want to, as they're great. I love toucan boxes. Right, on to our third question. It's about something else I really love, which people give each other on Valentine's Day. Hopefully, I'll be getting some too. It's about chocolates and it comes from Alex. Over to Alex. Hi, Moni. I'm Alex. I've had a birthday last week and I am four. I live in England and my question is, why does chocolate melt? Thanks so much for your excellent question, Alex. Isn't it awful when you have lovely chocolate and you save it to eat at a perfect time? you need to find it's melted in the sun or if you hold it for too long in your hand it melts all over your hands and makes a big mess oh no but why does chocolate melt everything melts at a certain temperature which is called its melting point the melting point of chocolate is lower than the temperature of your body so the heat in your hand makes the temperature of the chocolate go up it reaches its melting point and it melts. The part of chocolate that melts is the fat. It's just like when butter melts, butter is fat. In really good chocolate, the fat is called cocoa butter. It grows naturally in cacao beans, which is what we use to make chocolate. Cacao beans grow inside pods on a cacao tree, which is a tropical plant from the Amazon basin. It's the fat in the cocoa butter that makes the chocolate rich and melt in your mouth delicious but also makes it melt in your hand. Less good chocolate has fat made from cheaper things, but all fats melt. Chocolate also melts if you leave it in the sun, as the sun heats it up until it gets to its melting point. Then your lovely chocolate is one big gooey mess. If you leave it in the fridge, sometimes it gets too hot. 
chocolate has to be just the right temperature to be the perfect, delicious, yummy squidginess. I hope that answers your question, Alex, and thanks for sending it in. I hope you get some chocolate for Valentine's Day. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to the wonderful Willow Crossley for talking to us about why some flowers are prickly. And a big thank you to Ethan, Faye and Maya and Alex for this week's questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and audio networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. Wishing you all a very lovely Valentine's Day. I hope you get some lovely flowers, maybe some chocolates, and definitely a card. And make sure to send some things to the ones you love. We've all had a bit of a strange start to the year, so Valentine's Day can cheer everyone up. So get sending your cards now. Do check out Toucan Boxes as well and try one out using the code SUN. And remember, if you have a question you would like answered on the show, all you have to do is ask an adult to record you asking it. Ask them to use their smartphone and open the voice recording app. Then get them to record you asking your name, your age, a little bit about yourself and ask me your question. And tell me where you live. Not your address, just the country. And send it in to molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk and I'll answer your question as soon as I can. Also, if you like the show, please rate it and review it or get your parents to do that and tell your friends to listen. We've got some new socials your parents or teachers can follow, which are at everythingunderthesunpod on Instagram and at everythingutsun on Twitter and at everythingunderthesunmollyonfield on Facebook. I also want to let you know about the beautiful Everything Under The Sun book. It's available for pre-order already, but it'll be coming out in September. It has 365 of your questions answered in its pages and it's being illustrated by 12 illustrators at the moment. So I can't wait for that to come out in September. Wishing you all a very lovely week and a very happy Valentine's Day full of love. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Um, it's got some amazingly pink and white flowers. The leaves look quite kind of like um, kind of furry, you know what I mean? It's a warm spring day in late March, and ever since the leaves have started to come out, Roby Joe has been wondering why some trees lose their leaves and some don't, and also like how the trees know when it's time to shed their leaves. To find out, join us on the conversations, Curious Kids, wherever you get your podcasts.